been this morning. That is that is a big deal around here. Uh, would you do me a favor? Would you give Matt a round of applause for getting my microphone back? <laughs> the unsung hero of the church, the sound man. Thank you so much for giving us your time this morning. We are so glad that uh, you've given of your uh, your morning. You trusted with us. You trusted us with it, and uh, it's not something that we take lightly. It's a it's a, it's a privilege to um, to speak to you today. So um, this morning we're we're going to just dive right in. Um, we are in the midst of a series called Christian, uh, where we're looking at verses in the Bible that so often get twisted because we use them uh, what the Bible calls out of context. We use them in a way um, to prove a point or to, um, to to get what we want out of them. And uh, so oftentimes we, there, are, there are verses in God's Word that um, we often get wrong. And so um, the last couple weeks, uh, first week we talked about uh, a verse in John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14, and we talked about asking anything, how Jesus said, ask anything in my name and it'll be given to you. And if you missed that, uh, then all of our messages are online at refugemain.church messages. You can read there or you can listen there, or you can just download iTunes and download the podcast, hit the subscribe button. And you can get every one of our messages that we load onto there. So, um, if you missed John 14, 13 through 14, what we had to say about that chapter. The next week, uh, last week, we uh, talked about do not judge and talked about how um, so oftentimes we think only God can judge us. And we talked about how um, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, what that really means. And last week, we said that. There's nothing more powerful than when someone has the power to judge you, but they choose not to, and that's called grace. And so we we talked about that last week. So this week we're talking about a classic verse that I'm really looking forward to diving into. We're talking about Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, which some of you right now are already glaring at me, like I can feel all the like hatred looking at me, like please hold on to your rotten tomatoes. And I promise you that by the end of today, um, you will fall in love with Jeremiah 29, 11 even more. So that is that is the goal. Uh, so this week, um, we're looking at Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a verse that so often times gets like gets put on the refrigerator. It's a verse that. So often gets put on graduation. This is like the number one graduation card list. Like, like for all of our high school graduates that have had your party, my assumption is that more than one person wrote Jeremiah twenty nine eleven in your guest signing book because um, it's a verse that we often hold on to. Um, often, if you've got a pillow knitted by Nana, it's got Jeremiah twenty nine eleven on it. So my intent is not to hate on Nana today. I don't I, like Nana is good. Like, like it's it, it's still a good verse. But we're gonna talk more about like like what it means because so oftentimes we tend to take scripture 
and make it about us. And I'm going to get into that in just a minute. But can I can pray first? Can you do that? God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word that is certain. God, thank you that it has the ability to speak into our lives and to, to touch things out of our lives that don't belong, but also to add things that need to be there. God, thank you so much for what we're going to do today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. So Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. If, uh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, if, if you don't have a Bible, would you please raise your hand? We want to give you a Bible today. Um, it's from us. You can hold on to it. You can keep it. You can take it home. You can use it. We believe that God's Word um, is best used when it's read. And um, so, uh, like, it's nice to be able to have electronics and to be able to, like, everyone has a Bible today because everyone has one of these. And all you have to do is download one and you've got it in your pocket. But um, sometimes, sometimes we just need one of these. We just need the the, 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 the paper version, the, the version that you can hold. Someone, I heard someone say this. They said, um, like, this is everybody's Bible, but this is my Bible. This is my Bible. And so I want to have my Bible, and this is my Bible. And so... I, I take it and I, I, I mark in it, I, I highlight in it, I write notes in it, and, and it's, 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 it's precious. Like, I want someday for my great-grandkids to look at this book and see what great grandkids. So, this book is so important. And, um, we just want to just really, really, really believe that. So, um, that's why we give you those books. That's why we give you those Bibles. We want you to have your Bible. And someone gave those to us, so we just want to pay it forward and give those to you. You can also follow along in the YouVersion Bible app on your cell phone. It's the number one most downloaded Bible um, on the planet. So um, you can you can read that. You can, you can follow along with our notes and then all the scriptures for today is in that. So Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, it says this. It says, For I know the plans that I will have for you because the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. Somebody say amen. Like, that's, that's a good verse. It's a good verse. But remember, a couple weeks ago, uh, we went back to uh, my old Bible college, and we went to my old class called Hermeneutics, which is the study of interpreting Scripture or the science of interpreting Scripture. And my, uh, my professor, Dr. Joe Gleason, taught me hermeneutics, and he talked he taught me three things about the Bible. He said, number one, you have to look at the context of the verse. You have to look at the surrounding part of the verse. And, or, and you also have to, uh, number two, you have to compare Scripture with Scripture. So the context is the surrounding, who wrote it, who he wrote it to, what he was writing about, the point that he was trying to get across, the, the cultural context, and I love I love to dive into the cultural context of, of, the, of the Word of God. And then 
Um, we also, uh, so then you have to look at, compare Scripture with Scripture. So, as you look at the context, you look at the rest of Scripture and what it has to say about it, and then after you look at comparing that context and Scripture with Scripture, then you get to apply it to your life. And that's when the book comes alive. But the only way we said, we said it in a couple different series, the only way for the book to come alive in your life is when you believe the words on the page and the words that you're living out and believe activate the word, right? And so, um, so we're working through all of this as we're going through this series called Scripture. And, and so we want to look at this context of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. And so, in order to do that, we have to go back to the beginning of Jeremiah chapter 29, to verse 1. So look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 1, and let's find out who exactly Jeremiah is writing this book to, or writing this chapter to. And, um, and it says this, it says, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people that Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem. So here, the prophet Jeremiah, and a prophet is just someone that hears from God that speaks to people on behalf of God. And so Jeremiah is, um, is, is writing this letter, he's writing a letter to a group of people that are in exile. That word exile just means away from home. Like they're, they're put away from home. They're not, they're, they're, and, and not just away from home, but they can't go home. They're, they're, like they can't go there. And so um, Jeremiah is writing to this group of people known as the children of Israel or Judah, and they are God's chosen people. They're people that, that God, like, He chose them, like, from the very beginning. And, and, and it's, that's all Old Testament stuff, which um, we talk about how the Bible is written into two different parts. And one is the Old Testament, and one is the New Testament. And so the Old Testament is a lot about the children of Israel and God's chosen people, also known as the Jewish people. And so, uh, Jeremiah is writing to these people that are in exile. They're not at home. They're in this place called Babylon, and they're under the rule of this king called, named Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, but I, like, I just love some of those names in the Bible. Nebuchadnezzar. Like, why is it no one named Nebuchadnezzar anymore? Does anyone ever think stuff? Is that just me? Like, just think about weird stuff like that when you read God's word. Um, but Nebuchadnezzar is the king. And um, he's got the story of Israel in captivity. And so Jeremiah is writing this letter to the people of Israel under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar because they're in exile. Now here's what you have to know about the Jewish exile. The reason that they're there is, number one, because they have rebelled against God over and over and over again. God has said, follow me. Like, like, number one of the Ten Commandments is what? Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Right? And, like, that's number one. God has to be our number one. And that's what he's telling the children of Israel. He's saying, I want to be your number one. Have no one else above me. But the children of Israel, they disobeyed God. And they said, God, but 
Like, this is what we want. And so they, they chose their gods and their idols time and time and time and time again. And so finally, God says, you know what? Fine. Try it your way. Okay, can't. <laughs> like to say that to your kids. I'll try it your way, Johnny. I'll try it your way, man. I'm not going to go to this morning uh, because he's my boy and I don't want to embarrass him, but we're living this out today. <laughs> like, try it your way, buddy. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. And you can come up to me afterwards and maybe I'll, I'll tell you. But, um, it's, just, you know, it's just one of those things. And um, God is doing that with the sort of Israel. He's saying, try it your way. Let me show you. Let me show you that my way is better. And, um, and so, so that's, that's the first thing you have to understand about this exile. Number two, the second thing you have to understand about it is that the people have broken a covenant with God. Like, so this, is, this goes right along with, with the um, turning away from like, choosing their own idols. But when they chose those, those idols, they broke a promise with God that they had made. The promise with God was that, was that they were going to be in relationship with each other. And they said, you know what? No, we, we want it our way. So they broke a promise with God. They tried it their way. Number three is that God was patient with them and had given them 23 years to get it right at this particular time. This very specific time in the book of Jeremiah, God had given them 23 years to get it right. I'm not giving my kids 23 years to get it right. <laughs> and he was patient. God is a patient God. He's a God that loves you and cares about you. That we can fail Him over and over and over again, and He's going to be right there for us when we come crawling back to Him. So, He was patient with them. So, number one, they chose their God, they tried it their way. Number two, they broke a promise with God. Number three, God had tried to give them patience for 23 years, and then finally, because of their constant rebellion and their constant disobedience to God, God told them that they, uh, that they would be in captivity for 70 years. 70 years. That they would be in captivity under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. Now remember that Jer- who Jeremiah wrote chapter 29, verse, well, the whole chapter 29, who he wrote that to. He wrote it to the exiles, but if you look at verse 1, it uses a very, very, like, odd word because we don't really speak like that very much anymore. Verse 1 says, um, He wrote it to the surviving elders among the priests in the chapel. And so, he's writing chapter 29 to these elders. Now, the original language doesn't mean that he's writing to uh, a group of men that are, um, that are leaders in the church. Because we oftentimes, especially in our context, we often look at elders as leaders in the church. But really, this old, this, this original language, this original Hebrew language just simply means that he's writing it to the old people. He's writing to the old people in Jerusalem. And he's telling them that you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. Now, we're not old to some people. To my daughter, I'm very old. Yeah. But 
Like, can you imagine getting into the later years of life? Say you're... No, see, you know I'm going to make some enemies, really, right? I don't want to, like, I don't want to name any ages, but let's just say you're 75 years old. I'm going to say, like, let's say, any 75 year old, 10 years, so, 75 years, let's say that, and he's writing to them, and he's saying, you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. There's not a lot of hope there. Like, I'm going to die here and never go home again. Like, I'm 38. And if I go... And if God says, all right, Adam, you know what? You're never going to go home for the next 70 years. I'm going, oh, dude. I don't know that I'm living to be 108 years old. So really, you don't have to be that old to, to know that 70 years is a long time. And he's writing to these people, and he's trying to give them hope. There's not a lot of hope there. And so, when we read God's Word, we have to understand that there are two different types of promises that God's Word gives us. The first type of promise that God's Word gives is, number one, a general promise. A general promise. A general promise is just a promise that is for all of, of the Christians, all believers, all the people. This is written to all the people. This is a general promise. Or it is a specific promise that is written to a specific group of people for a specific time. Now, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Remember, context, scripture with scripture, applying it to our lives. We have to look at those three things when we look at it. But the way that you can tell that it's a, it's a verse or it's... Um, a part of the Bible that you're reading is written to a, like all Christians as a general promise or a specific promise. The, the number one way, in my opinion, that you can discover that is by comparing scripture with scripture. Like, if God is writing to a specific people for a specific time, then he doesn't always say it again and again and again in God's word. But if he's written, if he's writing it to, um, to everyone, then he's going to say it more than once. Does that make sense? Not your head, so I can hear that one, and I know you're listening. So stay with me today. Like, like I don't want to, um, I don't want to make you fall asleep. I know some of you were up late watching the fireworks last night, or maybe just trying to go to bed with the fireworks booming in your window. I don't know, but um, but just stay with me. So Jeremiah twenty nine. 11, you have, to, you have to start by looking at the context, and he's writing to the people of Israel, and he's writing to the exiles, and we have to compare Scripture with Scripture to know what kind of promise this is. So Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 17, look at it, it says this, it says, So there is hope for your descendants, declares the Lord. Your children will return to their own land. You see, Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 is a specific promise for the people that are in exile in Israel. Now, again, hold your right tomatoes. Don't throw them at me right, right yet because we're going we're gonna to get to some good stuff here. But 
Jeremiah 29.11 is written to a specific group of people, but yet we oftentimes look for ourselves in the Scripture. And so we'll put it on our, on our refrigerator. God knows the plans that He has for me. And their plans to prosper, and their plans for a future and for a hope. And so I'm going to hold on to that. And we'll get to what that means in, in just a moment. But when we compare Scripture with Scripture, we see that Jeremiah 29.11 was written for a specific group of people. So let's go back to the context. Like, let's, let's dive more into the context. So, when we look at context, we have to look at the verses surrounding it, right? So, Jeremiah chapter 29. What comes before Jeremiah chapter 29? Now, that's your question. Jeremiah chapter 28. And so, I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on in chapter 28. I don't want to necessarily read it for you this morning, but I want to just tell you, you can please follow along with the story so that you know you can, you can do a little fact-checking this morning and make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm talking about what I'm talking about truth here. So the children of Israel, they break their covenant with God. They had all of their, um, their idols and all their gods that they followed. And in Jeremiah chapter 28, there's this prophet by the name of Hananiah. Remember, a prophet is just someone that speaks to God and then speaks to the people and then speaks to God on behalf of the people. And so... Hananiah is this prophet that says that, you know what, Judah, i got good news for you. This exile is only going to last two years, not seven years. Now, how many of you would think if you've been told that you're going to be in exile for 70 years, two years sounds a lot better than, than 70 years, come on somebody. Like, that's, that's a lot easier. I can live with two years. I'm 40 and not 108. Right? And Hananiah is telling the children of Israel that it's only going to last for two years. So that's good news. But the problem is that's false good news. We might call it fake news today. Or my favorite clickbait, right? Just scrolling through Facebook. You're living in exile for 70 years. You see a headline that says, Good news, it's only going to last two. And you're clicking on that thing, you're like, yeah, help me some post, yeah. Not, not, not that we can call anybody out. I don't know anything about the house post. But, like, that's good news. How many of you like to be told what you want to hear? We all do. That's why clickbait is such a big deal. Like, because we all want to read things that that are good. Like, we all want to be told things that are good. We all want to be told things that, that make us feel good. Unfortunately, I think that a lot of churches today fall into this category. You go and you hear a pastor talking about things that lead to being rich and prosperity. You, read, you go and you talk or you read, you, you see pastors that don't stand on truth. So many people, and even Christians, have fallen into the trap of believing that, you know what, just as long as you believe in anything, you're good. Like you're going to go to heaven if you just believe in anything. 
effectively organized way forward. That's why we talk about about God's word and, and we read it and we apply it to our lives. Because there is good news. And the good news is that there is a way to get to God. But it's only through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to God except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So guess what? We're going to tell people that there is good news. And the good news is, is that not everything will get you where you want to go, but there is a way. And His name is Jesus. And if you follow Him and you give Him your life, and you commit to following Him, he will save you from your sins because he died for your sins. And he rose again so that you can follow him. And that's good news. But we want to be told that everyone is good enough. But really, the fact of the matter is, is Because all you have to do is compare yourself to the Ten Commandments and you quickly understand that we're not good enough. We're not good enough to follow God. We're not good enough to get ourselves into heaven. It's by grace through faith that you've been saved, not of yourself. So that no one can brag about it. So that no one can boast about it by grace. So, we have to do our best not to fall into the trap of fake news. We have to do our best to follow truth. Because truth is what sets us free. Amen? So, in Jeremiah. 29.11, if we believe that, for the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. How am I supposed to preach that message to the, the Syrian mother of four that's running from her home because she's been kicked out of her country and she's trying to find refuge? How am I supposed to tell that to the parent that's got a four-year-old child that's dying of leukemia, that God knows the plans that He has for your child. How am I supposed to tell people that that can't afford that that the the, the money they bring in each week doesn't add up to pay their mortgage and it looks like they're going to lose their home? How do I tell people that are on like marriages that are falling apart. That God knows the plans that He has for you and their plans to prosper you. When life looks difficult, how am I supposed to tell the person that God God's got a future and a hope for you, just hold on. You see the fact of that it is if I can't preach what I preach everywhere, then I shouldn't preach it at all. If I can't preach what I preach everywhere, then I shouldn't be able to preach it at all. We want a God that gives us joy without pain. We want a God that gives us holiness without trial. We want a God that rewards us without suffering. We want a God that gives us prosperity without suffering. But the fact of the matter is, is that's not how God works. 
We want God on our own terms. We want to make Him the way we want Him. But if that were true, then that would make us God and not Him. We don't want to hold on to promises like 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. That say, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Or Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, that says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer. Wow, Pastor Adam, you are doing a great job in convincing us to give our lives to follow Jesus today. I was sitting where you're sitting. I would want the guy up here with the microphone in the Bible, the book of truth, to give you truth. There may not be what we want to hear. But the good news is that the gospel. It's not that God saves us from our trials, but that God uses our trials to make us more like Him. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus died and He rose again to make us more like Him. The good news of the gospel is that we can be like Jesus. But that might mean that we're going to go through a little pain. That might mean that we're going to go through some trials. That might mean that it's going to be difficult at times for us to believe that God knows what He's doing. But I want you to know today that the part of the verse that says that God knows what He's doing, that He has a plan, is true and it is written to all of us. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10 and 11. So I'm going to read, I'm going to go back. We're going to read verse 11 again, but I want to read verse 10. And it says, this is what the Lord says when 70 years are complete for Babylon. I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. I'm going to bring you back home, Jeremiah says. God tells Jeremiah, tell the children of Israel, I'm going to bring them back home. They're coming home. And then he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Some of you here today, all you want is some sort of relief. Some sort of relief that everything is going to be okay. I want you to know this morning. I don't know when that relief is coming. But I know what there is up to Just because this verse is not written to us doesn't mean that there's no truth in it. Just because it's not written to us doesn't mean that we can't take a part of it and apply it to our life. There is plenty of truth in this verse, and the part of the truth that I want you to hear this morning is that God has a plan for whatever it is that you're going through. He knows exactly what He's doing in your life. But you have to trust Him with it. You have to trust Him with it. Chapter 29, verse 11. Chapter 12, chapter 12 and 13. 
says, will you call on me? So he's saying, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper, plans for the future and I hope. Then you will call on me and come to me and pray. And I will listen to you. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a promise that is written for all of us. When you call on me and you pray, I will listen to you. The reason why we know that it's a promise that's written to us is because when you compare Scripture with Scripture, we see it over and over and over again. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. The Bible is perfectly clear that when we seek God, we will find Him. You may not understand what your life is, what you're going through in your life. But when you look for God in it, you will find Him. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, it says, It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. The message of Jeremiah 29 11 is not that things are going to be easy. The message of Jeremiah 29 11 is that God has a plan. And when we trust Him in it, when we trust Him in it, we will find Him. The good news is that you at a church this morning that believes that. I don't know about you, but I know that there are strength, there's strength in numbers. You see, anytime a child goes missing, and we get those Amber Alerts on our phone, and kids are, are missing, uh, like my mind just goes back to the time in Illinois when um, a little girl had gone missing. The entire community rallied behind each other. They all gathered together and they all went into the woods and they, they, they set up a system and a plan to go out and to search for this little girl. Because they knew that the more people that were looking, they would have more of an opportunity to find it. So this morning, I want you to do I want you to bow your heads, I want you to close your eyes. We're going to try to respond to this message that God has for us today. You are in a room full of people that are looking after God together today. I believe, I believe that when we look to Him together, we will find Him. And you may leave this place and you may say, man, I have never felt God like I did this. And I hope that that's true. But the fact of the matter is, is that unless you commit to look after God by yourself when you're away from us, then all this is is a moment. We want to take this moment and turn it into a lifetime. Because we believe that you can seek God with your life. And that He will respond to you every single day. So He's here. And He's never responded to God. 
You never get in your heart. The Bible says that the way Jesus came is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, meaning that there is a price that has to be paid because of the wrong things that you do in your life. And the price that has to be paid is death. The Bible goes on to teach us and to tell us that there was a man by the name of Jesus that paid that price for you. And because he paid the price for you, all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he did what he said he did. And your life will be forever changed. So in the quietness of this moment, anyone here, because we never want to leave an opportunity out there for someone to respond to the gospel. We never want to leave an opportunity out there for someone to respond to Jesus, because he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to God but through him. Is there anyone here that would be brave enough to raise your hand and say, you know what, Pastor Adam, I've never responded to God like that. I've never given my life over to him. Is there anyone like that at all that would raise their hand and say, I would love to do that to him? Anybody? Anybody? Just real quick, put it up there. Then. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you would like to do that, you would like to respond to God today for salvation. Just say this prayer. Say, God, I love you. I know you love me. I give you my heart. And I do that because I believe that Jesus was your son. That he died for me. That he rose again. So that I can live for you. Come into my life. Make me new. And Jesus, I'm afraid. Amen. Keep your head bowed, your eyes closed. If you said that prayer on the back of the car that we that we showed you at the beginning of the port of, of the service, there's a part on there that says, I'm committing to follow Jesus for the first time. Just mark that. And give it to us at Get Central. We've got a Bible that we want to give you, a letter from me that we want to give to you. But maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've been going through a rough, rough time. Maybe, maybe you just need to know that God has a plan for it. Would, would anybody raise your hand and say, I, I need to know that God has a plan for this right now? Anybody, anybody at all? Thank you. Hands everywhere. Come on. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to stand prayer for you right now. This is a way for you to show God, God, I need this. God, thank you so much for the people that have responded to your work today. God, I pray that you would do an incredible work for them today. Lord, that you would you would show them that you see them, that you know exactly what 
they're going through. And that because of your word that they can trust you. They can trust you that you have a plan and a purpose. And that it's not wasted. That you are doing something in them because of it. Father God, we trust you. We love you. We praise you. 